0: I love my cat, Tiger. And as my best friend, we speak our own language. What's that? You love your litter. He does, because I use Fresh Step Outstretch Litter. It absorbs 50% more waste and odor and requires less changing compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Less changing means more time playing. (laughs) Right, Tiger? That's a yes. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Cat Litter in the pet aisle. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of your favorite celebrities. This is Gold Mines with Kevin Hart.
0: Oh my (laughs) God. Guys, I'm excited. Why am I excited? Well, because we're here. We're here at another amazing episode of Gold Mines. And yes, we switched the name because the pool got bigger. That's right. Water got deeper. We felt the need to get to more people. We had to find a way to access more greatness. And greatness always comes within the shape of a mind. How do I do it? How the fuck do I do it? How do I do that? You see how I did that? Hmm? See, I threw it back to that, people. It's wordplay. I'm getting real good at it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Gold Mines, and today we have a mind of gold. We have a man of tremendous success. More importantly, a story that probably has not been told to those that listen to this podcast, which is why today's show is going to be so dope. We got the man, the myth, the legend, Stephen A.
1: Smith on Gold Mines.
0: What's going on with you, champ?
1: Man, what's up with your crazy ass, man? I, I mean, I, I mean, do, don't you have enough jobs? No. Don't you have enough
0: jobs? I mean, does it ever stop? First of all, damn. First of all, you're neck and neck. What are you talking about? I ain't got nothing on you. You have a podcast. You have a talk show. You have... Two talk shows. Two shows, actually. You have two shows. Two talk shows.
1: NBA Stephen A's World, which you scared to come on because you scared that you come on and I'm going to jinx you because your Sixers going to lose if you come on. That's why you ain't been on. I mean, I know this stuff about you.
0: If I was a changed person and you did not know my methods, it would be different. I am not coming on to talk to you about the 76ers while we are in a place of real like we're real we're a real contender right now okay okay the conversation of what we can do is real i'm not coming on to talk basketball with you for you to then throw in my face uh kevin you said <laughs> or you told me or you were wrong. I'm not giving you that. I'm not giving you that. I got you.
1: I got you. That's a good reason. That's a good reason. Cause there are a lot of things you said that you weren't wrong about that I would not hesitate to remind that, that you is what about. You do. So you are right. You are right. You are right. You got me there.
0: Here's the good news, Stephen A. Eh? Yeah, man. Normally I give you shit. Normally I give you banter. Normally the world of fun comes in poking fun. But today's show is different, man. Today, today's show is actually about giving you your flowers. It's about highlighting uh, Your road to success It's about talking to you in depth To truly understand How you got to where you now are More importantly How you deserve it, right? You know, I look at success as being earned Not given I say it time after time again And you definitely earned your position The stripes on that jacket Are ones that were That, that were worked for I want to go back to Philadelphia Philadelphia PA, man Yeah, man that's where I'm from. City of brotherly love. People don't know it, That's where you started. Yep. You started working out for what? What paper was it?
1: Philadelphia Inquirer.
0: Now, here's a question, man, because you played basketball as well. When did it shift to like, okay, this is a must. I know now what I want to do. And in the world of journalism, this is the road that I'm going down. When did you take that shift in understanding?
1: Well, when I was at Winston-Salem State University in HBCU in North Carolina, and I cracked my kneecap in half my first year there, uh, not that I was ever good enough to go pro or anything like that, but any lofty aspirations I had for myself came to an end. And my mom um, at the time was like, all right, well, now that that's over, because she made it very, very clear, you ain't got no damn basketball dreams. Just get rid of that. Now that that's over, because you cracked your kneecap in half, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I talked about... Getting into broadcast journalism, I was going to be on television, but I remembered when I was in seventh grade and my professor told my teacher had told her at the time, he said, your son walks around because I had gotten left back in the fourth grade and all of this stuff. And this is a few years after that. And he told my mother, he said, your son is not a dummy. She said he, he said he drifts. He doesn't, he, he, don't, he doesn't hear, and a lot of people think that he doesn't comprehend. He doesn't understand. That's not the problem. The problem is he doesn't even hear you, and so if he's not paying attention, if he, something bores him, he drifts. Wow. But when he does pay attention, you know, he is something special. Find out what he's passionate about, and you'll have a star in your hands. He said that to her as my seventh grade teacher during parent-teacher's night. So I remembered that moment when my kneecap cracked in half, and my mother told me, or was asking me what you're going to do with the rest of your life now. And I thought instantly journalism, sports journalism is something that I would be passionate about. It wouldn't be difficult for me to get up. I don't have to get up and punch a clock or anything like that. I jump up to have the opportunity to cover sports. And that's where it came from.
0: You know, what's crazy, man is like, what you're saying is not rocket science, but at the same time it is mm. right. That understanding of like, um, what you truly engage with and respond to nine times out of 10 and what you're going to give your most to. And the ability to drift is something that I do to this day. Mm. For for things that don't grasp my attention correctly, right. your thoughts are scattered, et cetera. Right. For you, I mean, when of course you get that type of, I don't even want to call it weight, because it's not a weight from your parents. The biggest thing that your parents want you to do is have something that you want to do. That's right. And if you don't know what it is, your parents, their biggest, their biggest want, their biggest task at hand is to get you to have energy to discover or find that. Yeah. When understanding your love for sports, understanding, okay, wow, this is something that I can be a part of, be in. I can't play it at the level I want to now, but damn it, I can cover it. It's still broad, right? Because you're still like, okay, I can cover, I can write about it, but the road to success is still unknown. Immediately, like when you said, okay, here's what I'm going to do, here's where I want to go. How did you get it to the point where okay, I can start to cover these things? I can interview for these jobs here. Like, what what was the decision for the the Enquirer? What was the decision for Philadelphia for the paper? Like, how did that stuff transcend?
1: Let's go to what the the steps that I had to take. Number one, I was still in school. Mm-hmm. So what happened was is that I knew that I could write for the school newspaper. So when I started writing for the school newspaper, I had a critical and persuasive writing teacher who also happened to be the editorial page editor of the local daily newspaper in Winston-Salem. He saw an essay that I wrote. He looked at me and he said, you're a natural born sports writer. Let's go to lunch next week and talk about this after class. It was on a Tuesday. So that following Tuesday, I'm here thinking he's going to take me out to lunch to eat. And instead, he drove me straight to the sports department of the Winston-Salem Journal and introduced me to the sports editor. The sports editor there was waiting for me. His name was Terry Oberly. He was waiting for me. He spoke to me for five minutes and he said, so when can you start? Wow. I'm like, what? (laughs) He said, when can you start? I said, you know, you could be a clerk. You could start in here. And, you know, so this is at a time where, you know, obviously growing up poor in the streets of New York City, you know, I'm getting 20, $25 a week from my mom. And my sister, Arlen, that's all we got. I have four older sisters, but my sister, Arlen, would send me money every week. So you talk about a brother that was living off of tuna fish and Kool-Aid. And so here I am, even though I'm on a college scholarship, you know, the bottom line is the cafeteria was off. I never want to eat their food. So I'd spend the money that they send me each week. We go from that. They say, well, you're going to be a clerk uh, here in the sports department and we're going to pay you over four hundred dollars a week. So I'm like, it's heaven. It's like a million bucks at the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm jumping at it, right? So then I go to the sports department. I'm there for a couple of weeks. I'm the only black kid in the sports department surrounded by nothing but a bunch of white editors. And they take me under their wing because they know I'm an aspiring sports writer. And they're editing copy and stuff like that. I'm practicing stuff like that. Next thing you know, the sports editor calls me and he says, I want you to go down the road to do Wake Forest Soccer, do a feature on Wake Forest Soccer. At the time, they ranked number three in the nation. I know nothing about soccer. Kevin, the only soccer I ever watched in my life was the 1980 Olympics with Pelé. That's it. And then I go down to the Wake Forest and I speak to the coach named Walt Chisowitz, who's now deceased, God rest his soul. And I go up to him and I know, the, uh, the, I know nothing about soccer, but I don't want to fake it because that ain't authentic. You get yourself in trouble that way. So I walked up to him and I said, I know nothing about soccer. I've never covered it in my life. But they sent me down here to do this article, and I want to be a sports writer. If I don't do this right, I'll never get the chance. This man summoned the whole team over and said he's got until – because I told him I had a week to do it until Sunday. It was a Monday. He said he has until Sunday to do this piece. From now until Thursday, each and every single one of you are to give him unfiltered access to you for the next three days. We're going to teach him about the sport of soccer. Wow! I wrote the feature based off of what they taught me about the game. It turned into a two-page piece by the Winston-Salem Journal. That following week, the sports editor called me into his office. He said, congratulations. You're the new beat writer for Wake Forest Soccer.
0: Holy shit.
1: And from that point forward, I was able to accumulate clips, which built my portfolio, which was ultimately what led to me getting a clerical position at the Greensboro News and Record. A high school writer, sports position at the New York Daily News, and ultimately going to the Philadelphia Inquirer.
0: We talk about a road of pretty much seizing the opportunity that presented itself, right? If anything, that's not having the mindset of half-ass, right? Yeah, I get thrown an opportunity. That's right. The opportunity I get thrown, I don't know shit about. It's not really my cup of tea, and I could have easily just fucking tossed it to the wind. But instead, taking full advantage of the opportunity. Applying yourself, giving it the 1,000% got you the 1,000 return. And, I mean, doors at the doors at the doors open, right? Mm -hmm. I want to keep going, though. It's like you're a journalist that has developed the relationships to match the synergy of what you do and why you do it, right? All across the board. And I I feel like that's a thing that doesn't have to... It doesn't have to be that way. Like, you know, the athletes don't have to take to you. They don't have to respond to you. They don't have to engage with you. Mm -hmm. Is that something that at some point in time you felt the need to focus on? Like, was there a turning point for you, Stephen, when you said, you know what, man? I I not only want to just write, I don't want to be from afar... I want to get close. I want to get personal. I want to I want to build the rapport because, you know, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be around. And it's good for me to develop these relationships and get this like trust and this security. uh, and, And I guess you can say certification of understanding from the players in all sports. Right, I mean it goes all around. Was that something that you prioritized or did that just come natural?
1: It came natural. What I would tell you I prioritized was being a voice. Okay. I was committed to making sure that I was somebody that resonated, that I was somebody that was going to be impactful. Okay. And and I would tell you this and it doesn't sound great until I explain it. I have always been for lack of a better word, and you, you don't want to use these negative words to describe yourself because it's really not negative, but there's no other way to put it. I've always been somebody that has used folks for the greater good. Okay, And what I mean by that is this, Black folks in this nation on many, many occasions have lamented the fact that we're relatively voiceless. Not now, but back in the day before the advent of social media, stuff like that, because you had to depend on the fourth estate, the media, to be a voice for you. Mm-hmm. That's when I came up in the industry in the 90s, in the early 2000s. And so for me, when I was named a general sports columnist in 2003 by the Philadelphia Inquirer, and I was the 21st African-American in this, in this nation's history to capture such a title, which gave me the license to opine and give my opinion and editorialize, because we didn't always have that right. People don't see that now because of having the social media. but We didn't always have that right. That was always a goal of mine. And the mission was always to make sure that I served our community for the greater good. So to me, it was the equivalent of me sitting in a room with Kevin Hart at Florida AM, and Kevin Hart tipping me off to the business opportunities that could potentially be available and what my mindset should have been and how I should think like that. Well, for me. That's the kind of person that I've always strived to be. In other words, I'm a voice. So what happens is when I run across players, coaches, executives, et cetera, et cetera, whenever knowledge that I could espouse to help make them better, I would do that. But it wouldn't be just by telling them what they wanted to hear. It would be by telling them the truth. When I look at the media or I look at the public at large, I wanted to be somebody that was trusted, meaning when you saw me and I spoke, you knew I meant what I said. Whether I was right or wrong, you knew that I wasn't fake, that you could trust me to be real and authentic because I knew that that would materialize into something greater, which would position me to achieve greater things, which would then contribute to me Meeting people that would edify me, elevate my level of wisdom, my conscientiousness, my humanity, my fairness, and then I would take that and I would go out to the masses, whether it would be players or an audience or somebody else in the sports world, and I would try to influence them the way that I was influenced. In other words, in an effort to make us all better. I've always been about that. That's always been my approach.
0: I don't think that's using people. Okay. I think that that's... Aligning yourself around those that can help elevate your soon-to-be star, right? Like, you know, for opportunities to present themselves, you know, the relationships that are present, you have to find the value in. You have to be smart enough or have the wherewithal to use these relationships to get you to the next stages. And if used correctly, the relationships act as credible sources for your next stage. And it should continue, right? As you go, as you grow. Correct. One thing that I will say, when you say your fearlessness and you say, you know, your ability to speak truth, everybody's not going to agree with you, right? You're always going to be on the fence of right, wrong. What do you feel today about the perception of Stephen A. Smith from the actual athletes, Not the fans, not the people that watch the sports. We'll get to them later. How do you feel you're perceived from the athletes today? And how much does that matter to you?
1: It matters a lot more than it used to. Okay. Because I'm lied on a lot. Okay. You'll see folks, and you know this better than me because of the superstar that you are. People will put a headline. And the headline is what resonates and nobody even knew what the hell happened. They'll depend on the headline. Absolutely. And so what you have is a situation where you have clickbait. Kev, I've seen people say, Stephen A. ripped into LeBron. And what I said was, I've got him number two of all time. How the hell is that hating? Right? Mm-hmm. But what they said was Stephen A. ripped into LeBron and brought up something I said nine years ago, but they gave the impression I said it yesterday. You see what I'm saying? Or they'll use me to say something that I I didn't say somebody else on sports have said it but I was the click mm-hmm. that resonated so if you're a player on far too many occasions I've run across this a player would have a problem with me and then I'm like this what is your problem what did I say they can't even tell me what I said they told me the headline they never saw it but I have to deal with that now there are times when I've said something and This is the one thing I pride myself on, bro. I'm humane. I'm fair. And I don't get personal. Your personal life is your business. Anybody who knows me, there's just a code. Me being from the streets of Hollis, Queens, New York. There's just a code that I live by. I'm not talking about your personal business. Then you end up in police blotters. And your stuff is all the way all public and being talked about. And that's different. But I'm not bringing it up. I'm not getting personal. I'm not going there. I'm a vault. You come to me, I don't care who you are. You're an athlete, you're a coach, you're an executive, you, you're, 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 you're a colleague, you're 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 somebody like yourself or somebody, you tell me something, I shut the hell up. It's none of my business until you tell me that you want me to say something. I'm very, very big on that. So because of that, I don't lose sleep at night living in my truth. When I do lose sleep is when lies are told and it's believed by some of those people that you're talking about, meaning the athletes or whatever the case would be. Or if I said something, and and it's rare that I do this, but if I said something, I go like this, damn, I was wrong. I wasn't fair. And when that happens to me, if I said something publicly, I'll go publicly and be like, yo, I was wrong. That ain't me. i would apologize for that. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy.
0: Yeah, I've seen you do that. I've seen you do that. It really is a fucked up position because, you know, I feel like I feel like the players forget that there is a soap opera-like theme attached to the business that they're in. Right. Like, you can go down the line. Let's go to baseball, hockey, uh, American football. All of them. Uh, European football, basketball. It doesn't matter what it is. There's a theme that has to be played out, right? Like, without... Bad guys, good guys don't exist And without The good guys Well bad guys Don't have a reason to be bad And I say that to say it's like You need You need both And the narratives that are sometimes uh, created and spoken on behalf of players, sometimes true, untrue, sometimes, you know, uh, a little exaggerated. Right. These things act as elevating factors for a player to go and prevail and and do the unknown and say they said I couldn't and now I did right like the mountaintops that you can stand on sometimes are better stood on because of things that have been said overall you need both sides of it and the elevation of a talent in sport can't be elevated without the narrative attached to them the journalists play such a valuable role uh, in the in the branding opportunities, in the personable opportunities, in the likability, uh, just in the in the conversation, right? It's it all plays into one. So sometimes it is frustrating to me when I see players that don't embrace the thing that makes their machines better. Right. If you're not talking about them, it's a problem, right? Yeah. But if you're not talking about them, it's damn. When are they gonna start talking about me? And then when you start talking about them because they put themselves in a position to be talked about and then they do the thing that you deemed as not right for the moment or didn't respond to the pressure, well, then the feelings come into mm-hmm. play of why or why would they say or why would they do? But I look at it as the gift and the curse of the spotlight, of the moment. Yeah, To be talked about, to be a part of the conversation You have to be able to accept on all. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I think the side of consequence that you get attached to what you say, sometimes I think that is only looked at from one POV.
1: I will say this. this There's a couple of things. There's a few things that I want to add to what you said. Number one, as it pertains to me directly, Kev, I'm live. That's true. 10 hours a week minimum. Yeah. Yeah. 450 hours a year minimum. That's only first take. That's not SportsCenter. That's not NBA Countdown. That's not my No Mercy podcast. That's not anything. That's number one. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm not going to be flawless. I'm going to make mistakes from time to time. Like, for example, the latest one I made. Man, I come on Sherry Shepherd's show. They asked me about Rihanna. Listen, Kev, all they said to me was, we want, literally before the show, Kev, they said, look, Stephen A., <laughs> we want you, we want to <laughs> emulate a segment on first take. Yeah. So when Sherry brings up something, we want you to basically create a debate. Yeah. Yeah. I said, OK, yeah. well, Rihanna's all that in a bag of chips. She's a superstar. I love her. I buy her albums. She's great. But there's only one Beyonce. And the next thing I know, you would have thought I shot somebody. I mean, I was like, damn, you you got to be kidding me. I mean, I, 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 I mean I, I, they'll remain nameless. They'll remain nameless. I had some of your brethren. I had some of your breath rate. Right. Yeah. Hollywood stars, Kev, going like this. Man, you got to watch what you say, Steve. Yeah. I mean, damn, man. I mean, serious. Yeah. They came at me like yeah. I, I committed a crime. Yeah. I'm like, really? Because I'm a fan of Beyonce? More so than Rihanna? What's the crime? I didn't say she sucks. She's great. She's fantastic. But that's the world we're living in. I didn't know it was
0: going to be like that, Kev. It's all consequences, no understanding.
1: Exactly, right? So you got that going on. Then we got to take into consideration the world of branding (laughs) and marketing. We got to take that into consideration. You got players. Again, who will remain nameless? Stephen A, you 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 hurt my brand. No, bro. You shooting two for twenty-five hurt your brand. Yeah. You bent bounced in the first round, hurt your brand. You playing with all of these great players but not winning a championship hurt your brand. All I did was report what happened. That's my job. What
0: what 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 do you want me to do? Nobody wants to have the accountability. It's easier to point the finger.
1: There you go. And so you just live with it. You understand it. And it's like, listen, it is what it is. And you just you just learn to live with it. Because the last point I want to make is this. Remember, no matter what, I've been blessed and fortunate enough to morph into. My foundation is journalism. Mm-hmm. And so the first order of business they teach you is that if you're here to be liked, Find another profession. Mm. You don't want to be hated, but you have to do your job. And that's call it like you see it, mm. primarily fact based. And if you can't deal with the fallout from that, you're in the wrong profession. Mm. I was raised in the business developing alligator skin to be able to deal with that stuff. So as long as I know I'm fair and humane and not personal. I don't worry about it too much.
0: All right, wait. Stephen A, this is getting too good. Uh, Let me stop you right here. Let me pay some bills. Damn it. I got to go pay some bills. Guys, we'll be right back with more gold mines after this.
1: Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation.
1: Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation.
0: While no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today. For generations to come. Because that's what really matters. Bridgestone. Solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Home isn't just a place. It's a state of mind. Like curling up in a comfy chair while it's cold outside. With a warm drink. Or maybe even a wine in hand. As you watch the world go by outside your window. Mmm.
1: Short ribs. Good afternoon. This is your
0: captain speaking. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home. Refill? Long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. All right, guys, we're back. We're still on Gold Mines, and we're with Stephen A. Smith, and we're talking. Yes. Talking that talk. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things, right? Like, I I love that you said you're not going to get it right all the time. I'm not. Because that's the truth. I mean, look, that's just... That's the hard truth and there's nothing more dominant in today's entertainment time than the idea of live television because live television means that you're bold enough to take the risk. You're bold enough to say we can do what we do live. We don't need the idea of edit. We don't need the we don't need the breaks, we don't need the cuts. We're that good at our craft. And by the way, When and if we're not, what makes our craft better is sometimes standing in the place of smelling our own shit or eating humble pie. That is absolutely okay. And what I think journalism suffers from today is we're so much more caught up in the idea of apologizing or the fear of your job being no more than understanding the things that make the job better is sometimes when you're able to go, I was fucking wrong, right? I picked wrong. I thought, and you know what? I was wrong. Guys, I got to say it. The fans picked this. I thought for sure it would be this, but it wasn't. You got to understand good guy, bad guy. That's right. It is something that, that and guys, I'm, I'm simplifying it because I want the listeners to understand when I say that, Stephen A. Smith ain't the good guy all the time. Totally true. He's the bad guy. And sometimes the bad guy sits in the place where going either against the grid of what the fan bases want, it's better for the job and the show if there's facts attached to it. Because that's what people tune in for, guys. You got to remember that in entertainment, you have to not only entertain, but you have to have a stance and solid story. Within your why. Yeah. Stephen A. Smith has done that. He's given that. And I I I'm a fan because of that. I told you this is a show about giving you flowers, right? I think that you have had to stand in some of the craziest heat, and the craziest heat being attached to your love, like, and stance with the culture. It's constantly compromised or in play, is Stephen A. Smith against us, for us, etc. And it's almost as if people forget that we're in a Black-dominated athletic space now, right? And, and a lot of these places, like, the world of our culture is extremely present. Yep. Um, but when you do decide to speak on one or have a stance, the the side of, oh, man, not for us, not with us, comes into play. And those are the things, I think, where I've gotten irritated as a friend and as a brother to you because I know who you are. I know what you are. And, you know, sometimes, like you said, the world of clickbait is exactly that. And I can only hope that the future, the future of journalism for you, not to get better because it's it's already great, just that there's a side of, there's a side of fucking understanding from the fan base as to how tough your job can be at times. Entertainment is almost becoming the new world of politics without addressing politics on the regular.
1: It really is. People are going to be the way that they are. And it's always going to be a fight. But I got news for you. The vast majority of people out there show me nothing but love. Mm -hmm. I am an unapologetic brother. I'm a black man. I wouldn't want to be anything else. I'm proud to be who I am. I I love my folks. You know, I don't speak for all of us. I let other people decipher what role I play or whatever the case may be, but I know my heart's in the right place. And a lot of times, you know, again, I will go back to people like you, like Jamie Foxx, like Denzel and various others that I've met throughout the years and gotten to know my man Snoop and so many others, LL and the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. The love that I feel for y'all, I don't know if y'all will ever truly understand why, but I think you will. You know, it's not about success and it's not about name recognition. It's about what y'all give me to help me be better. You know, I don't have a problem when Kevin calls me and says, You're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I want to know why, Mm -hmm. because if I don't believe he's right, I'm going to tell him so. And then we can have a healthy debate about it. And the same with all of those names and so many other people that want to correct me or make me better. At the end of the day, you're trying to make me better. Mm -hmm. And guess what you're trying to do with our community? You're trying to make us better. It's not to say we're not good. It's not to say we're not accomplished. It's not to say that we don't have a lot of great people emanating from our community who don't do great things. Mm -hmm. But on a case-by-case, battle-by-battle basis, we do find ourselves getting in our own way a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And it's good for us to look at one another and say, yo, bro, yo, sis, you're getting in your own way. And here's why to give us something to edify ourselves and to make us think about mm-hmm. on far too many occasions, people don't see I'm on national television. A lot of times, Kevin, if you look at what I'm saying, it's not even me telling folks they wrong. It's me saying, yo, this is who's waiting for you. That's the roadblock and the impediment to the success. You're hoping to capture. You're getting in your way because they see you coming. Mm. I'm warning them because I've been there. If you're a basketball player, you think I just had an opinion about you. You don't think I spoke to a teammate or teammates, coaches, executives, owners. I know what they're saying about you. Me and this one player who remained nameless got into a heated discussion and we were MFing each other. We couldn't stand one another. And then all of a sudden he reached out to talk to me because he heard that I was complimentary of him. I was like, yo, I was never arguing with you. Mm -hmm. I was trying to tip you off. This is what they're saying about you. You say you're after this. I'm in this position to know what's lying. And wait, I'm telling you and tipping you off. And what I'm saying to you is that people like you and the others that I mentioned and so many others, y'all don't realize how many times y'all have done that for me and y'all have done that for others. And people like me
0: should appreciate it, not resent it. Do you feel that you've ever been pushed to the point where your reaction in front of camera was a little more than you wanted it to be on a debate? And if so, what was that moment for you?
1: It was two moments.
0: That's a good question, by
1: the way. It was a very good question. I'm very proud of you. This very Way to go. Way to go, Mr. <laughs> Journalist. Um, I would tell you that um, years ago when I got suspended because the only reprimand I've ever received in my career when I uttered the word provoke when we were talking about the whole Ray Rice situation and it was misconstrued. And ultimately um, my former boss reneged on telling me it was okay. And then suspended me a couple of days later, the fury that I felt wasn't about the suspension. It was about the fact that I was associated with domestic violence. When I've never put my hands on a woman in my life, you would Google me and I would be associated with domestic violence and that's something I still haven't gotten over, to be quite honest with you.
0: Rightfully so though.
1: That's right. The other, the other was literally just recently when I got into it with Jay Williams, because that's my that's that's ah. my man. And in defense of Kyrie, I felt that he had gotten a bit personal with me. And I didn't get that because I'm pretty tight with him. And and so I almost went in on national television on them. And what mm-hmm. it took mm-hmm. for me to refrain from that was remembering that was my boy. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. do that. Had that been somebody else, K-Hart, it might've been a different ball game. You know what I'm saying? And I would tell you last but not least, it was when I was debating with T.O. over Colin Kaepernick years ago. And he said, Max Kellerman seemed like more of a brother than me. I remember this one. Right. Let me tell you something right now. As long as I've known T.O., it took every bone in my body not to go all the way in on him for saying that. Um so I would tell you those are the three that stand out
0: while trying to support the culture you're destroying. That's right, at the same time. You're you're contradicting the movement. By the way, if if that is the feeling and if that is an intent, that's for you to say to me and pull my coattail. Yeah. Either before a show or after. Well,
1: Kev, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. You've watched me on television for years. Tell me one time where you've ever seen me get personal or what I was saying about somebody. It's never happened.
0: Here's the one, the one time where I can say you didn't get personal, but the the attachment to the story of Kyrie and this is with the showing up not showing up mm-hmm. wanting to be a um you know like are you committed or not committed are we here for the team or not understanding the job or not mm-hmm. the the conversation attached to it from the media was you know oh my god is he riding Kyrie is he not and it was more about the commitment to the team during the time mm-hmm. because other players were showing up. Mm-hmm. and his beliefs kept him from not doing that. and your stance was one of organization understanding the business. Mm-hmm. And I think it was getting like misconstrued from personal to Kyrie, where you were talking about the business of the game, of the rules, right. of what you're supposed to do from the professionalism. And it was the showing up not. So you've never gotten personal pride into the personal business. But I think at times, because talking about the business and the expectations from the ownership, from the league, from the commissioner, and when you're feeling and you're not doing you choose to stay away, are you putting the business first? As a person that can see it and understand it, I can navigate differently. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I can see differently. I totally get it. I've never seen you put emotions and or I've never seen you get personal. I've never seen you attack personal, like a personal character, your personal life, your personal business. Right. You've always kept it in the space of the, you've always kept it in the space of the organization, uh, the the athletic events that you're speaking on behalf of. So regardless of the sport, the position, it's always around the crime. Always around your job and what you're doing in that field.
1: Well, let me say this. Let me give you some news because that's an excellent example that you bring up because I would dare say to you that's the closest that I think I've ever been on television to being perceived as getting personal. So you're right about that. Let me explain why. Kyrie and I have had our differences that we've communicated with off camera and off the air, and ain't nobody's business or whatever, but he knows where I stand. I know where he stands, and we'll probably never speak to each other again in life because I feel betrayed. I'm going to be honest with you about that. Having said all of that, again, that's a personal issue between he and I. Mm -hmm. Where it became public was I am not talking about the quote unquote vaccine, I'm talking about years of behavior that you and I both know you have exhibited that has compromised what you classified as your bottom line. You know that, but because you don't like what I'm saying, you'll allow people out there to sit up there and, and call me out my name and call me a sellout and all of this other stuff. When you know better and you know the truth and you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Kyrie. And so when, 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 when I'm speaking about him, you'll see a fire elevate in me where I'm defending my position because I'm talking about the profession that I believe you've allowed an audience to embrace as personal because it fits your needs and your narrative. And so when I'm talking about it, if you're talking to somebody about somebody, Kev, and you're focused on business, but you know they know you are right but they want to disguise it and give off the impression that it's something personal to cover for themselves at your expense, you'd be surprised to fire that f- foams in your belly when you're speaking about it. And so that that's where I come from with that. But that's all.
0: I don't disagree with that. I will say because of where I've been able to kind of grow in this space of business and communication and certain people require different versions of Communication. And I would say for you and Kyrie in that relationship, difficult it may be, but that requires a different approach to communication. And I would say, of course, the things that have been done in the past, you can't change, but I would say moving forward, you know, like I I think that you both don't need to mend the relationship, but I think you owe it to simply the craft of the business that you both partake in at the highest level in the world to figure out a way to solve and at least come to an understanding of...
1: That's easy. You know what I mean? What I'm trying to say is that I'm a God-fearing human being. There isn't a relationship alive that I'm not willing to mend. It doesn't matter. Anybody that wants to talk to me want to sit down man to man or man to woman and want to have a conversation with me about mending whatever fences i don't give a damn who it is my answer is always going to be yes life is too short to be walking around having animosity being enemies and all. i ain't got time for that. i'm trying to be happy i'm trying to be happy
0: you know what i'm saying well i love that i mean it comes with an understanding and respect just for what you guys do yeah you know as a world-class player, as a world-class journalist, all right, let's 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 find a way to meet in the middle. Absolutely. And let me make sure that you truly understand my beliefs and let me make sure you truly understand my stance. And, hey, we may not agree, but let's just be grown in our version of finding a solve, right? The road to solve doesn't have to be an easy one. It doesn't have to be immediate. But at least if you embark on the journey, too, you know, it's something that you can at least say, all right, well, we tried. Or I'll try.
1: I will always do that, Kev. I will. There isn't a soul alive that can come up to me and want to talk to me and want to re, uh, want to hash things out, want to mend fences or whatever the case may be that I will ever say no to. I'm not made of that cloth, my brother. I'm good with it anytime. I don't care who it is. We talk about Kyrie, but that applies to anybody. I don't give a damn who it is. I'm not interested in. I'm not interested. Yeah, I'm not interested in having. I'm not interested in being enemies with anybody. That's the God's honest truth.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is gold mines. And when I tell you these mines are full of just that, I mean it, man. You know, these conversations are above and beyond beneficial to not just myself, but to everybody that's listening. And if you took anything away from today, I, I hope that you took away the understanding uh, not just uh, of a journey, not just of hard work, dedication, um, but one of care right? Like if you don't give a fuck about what you do, it will show. When you genuinely care and you genuinely put in the hours, it's visible. It's visible, man. And in your seat, in your space, Stephen A. Smith, uh, brother, you've done the work. You continue to do the work. I mean, over 10 years, over 10 years in a position of being in our faces and, and commenting on on games of all sorts at the highest level on telling the stories of the players that we've known to love, uh, across the board of all sports, man, you, you've done it right. You've done it wrong and you'll do it right wrong again. And I love that you are open about that. And I love that you stand in saying flawed or not, I'm going to tell you what I think and what I feel. And to me, that's the makeup of the dopest that's the makeup of the best man i look forward to fucking the mornings i look forward to goddamn seeing you trash the cowboys yes i look forward to you giving me shit when the eagles yes don't do what they do i look forward to the shit coming my way if the Sixers do don't perform and when ben wasn't i got shit there too and i tried to stand with him
1: ben simmons yes Ben Simmons, yeah. I
0: tried to stand with him. By the way, we 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 didn't. That's still my guy. I'm still stand with fucking Ben. Uh, well, naturally. he got to stand up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, that's all I'm saying he got to stand up instead of
1: sitting down looking like Zoolander with one of his model suits and shit. I mean, he got to do something better than that. Right? You know what I'm
0: saying? Mine's all fanfare coming from a brother point. You you know how I, I just believe in, in in positivity. I believe in the, the, the peaceful approach, and I think something good is going to come. Team Ben, you'll get it, Ben. You'll fucking get it. Let me
1: say this to your audience before we get on out of here, man. You know, listen, I'm I'm, I'm proud to be on your show. I'm happy having you have me. But brother, I love you to death. You're doing great things, always doing great things. I can't express enough how proud I am of you. But it's not an accident that I'm on this particular show. Because you got that show cold as balls, yes. and and I, I mean, look. First of all, he I ain't getting in no myself. damn ice cold tub. Okay, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And secondly, I'll be damned if Kevin Hart's gonna see me with my shirt off. I'm scared to show my shirt off to me. Okay, I, I'm I'm out of shape. Damn it, ain't nothing worse than a skinny fat dude. No way in hell was I gonna show up. In an ice cold tub with my shirt off, sit next to your crazy ass because you'd have never let me hear the end of it. That wasn't going to happen. I got to get in shape before we do that. And even then, I'm going to want you to up the temperature, at least fake it. Make that fake cube, <laughs> put fake ice cubes in there or something. And that's why I'm on this show instead of that show. I just wanted to make sure the audience do that.
0: Well, either way, I don't give a damn which show it is, man. We're lucky to get you. Stephen A., before we leave, please uh, tell the people about your shows, man. There's so many. Please give the list.
1: Still doing first, take. Thanks to the audience out there. Been fortunate and blessed to be number one for the last 11 years and counting. NBA and Stephen A.'s world, which you're scared to show up on, uh, comes on periodically throughout, throughout the season. But you're scared to show up on that because you don't want me having you on to talk about your Sixers. Uh, but I'll be on in May and June uh, doing that show. A little bit in April as well. And then, of course, I got this No Mercy background. This is my podcast that I just started. It's not that I don't do sports, but it was important to me to separate from ESPN to venture beyond the world of sports, getting the pop culture, entertainment, politics news everything else in between i didn't want to be limited by the sports genre so i started it i own this because of people like yourself and others who who basically blessed me with helping me have the courage to step out on my own instead of always being an employee that's why i wanted to do this of course so that's a big thing and honestly as i'm talking to you right now it's my fifth straight week as a new york times bestseller with my book with my book a straight shooter ho
0: ho yeah yeah. Hell yeah. Celebrate it Celebrate it god damn it yeah. Go out and purchase it if you have it That's a big yeah. deal A big deal well deserved Stephen A man this is Gold Mines Thank you for giving us exactly that Gold <laughs> people The man, the myth, the legend Stephen A. Smith Appreciate you bro
1: Gold Mines with Kevin Hart is a serious XM and LOL radio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, Eric Eddings, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to the Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Home isn't just a place, it's a state of mind, like curling up in a comfy chair as you watch the world go by. Good afternoon. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing.